Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago. To walk the Camino is to undertake a pilgrimage. If you really want to discover what's possible in your heart, walk a Camino. If you really want to get to know yourself, walk a Camino. If you're frightened of what you might learn from discovering yourself, walk a Camino. If you've been through something traumatic, life-defining, stressful or catastrophic, walk a Camino. Well, I think, given what we've all been through this year and what we're going to face into the future, we all deserve a Camino. Pilgrims walk a series of trails across Spain, Italy, France, Germany and even the UK with a devotion. They walk in the footsteps of Christ's apostle James. El Camino de Santiago. The ultimate destination is Santiago de Compostela, a city in Galicia in northwest Spain. St. James under a field of stars. If I said to you the Camino has changed me, it might sound pithy. If I said to you the Camino provided for me a form of insight, you might think I was some kind of touchy-feely New Age guy. Well, I'm not. I'm an Australian radio producer and reporter, a musician who has to go to work every day to make ends meet to support his passion, his love. Something keeps me motivated to keep telling Camino stories. I read the greatest quote this week attributed to the greatest of all philosophers, Winnie the Pooh. Some people care too much. I think it's called love. I keep going back to the US pilgrims on the Camino gathering at Lake Tahoe earlier this year. There were raffles and I arrived too late to buy tickets, but I was standing at the side trying to keep out of everyone's way. A smiling, welcoming face turned to me and said, I haven't won anything yet. And I said, well, let's combine our collective energy and win you a prize. She didn't win a thing. That was the moment I met Kathy Kay. Kathy's on the line from Longmont, Colorado. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, yeah, so have I. You told me that night that you were a life coach. What's a life coach? Boy, that's a good question. Um, it's a good question because I've never quite known what to call myself, and that's what I landed on. But I would say that for me, a life coach, I get to have the most interesting conversations with people about things that matter the most to them in their life, about the things that aren't working for them. And we um, try to remove the blocks inside and outside for them to lead a better life. And now what I'm really curious about is how to do that with people who have the reference point of the Camino. Mm. So they've had this experience of themselves and want to bring that into their everyday life, for example, or some of the qualities that they experienced there. So that's kind of a long answer, but that's, that's what I do as a life coach. Well, it's a great answer. How did the Camino come into your life? Huh? Um, I was in a shoe store in REI in the United States here, and I heard some people talking about this place in Spain called the Camino. And Dan, that was probably 17 years ago. It took about 10 years for me to decide then to walk the Camino. Um, And I can tell you those circumstances if you'd like to hear. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. So um, I have two sons that are six and a half months apart. One is adopted and the other one is a biological child. And both of them were getting ready to graduate the same year from high school. So um, 2012. And I was really anticipating that my life was about to change significantly. um, Knowing that, you know, both of them would be going out of state to college. 
What I didn't see coming that same summer was finding out that my husband of 25 years was in a relationship with another woman. And we just both, for lots of reasons, decided that that marriage needed to end. And um, so within one month, all three of them, my whole family, left. Um, And everything in my life turned upside down, changed in an instant. And I was um, just really feeling, I didn't know what my next steps would be. Um, I later came to realize that I had been so identified with myself in those roles that I really kind of had lost who I was. Um, And so two days after my sons went to college, I was on a plane to Spain and walking the Camino. All I had was a ticket to Madrid and I figured it out from there. Wow, what a story. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) So, wow, gosh. Oh, well, we'll explore some of that. I want to talk about some of that. But just before we we get there, I could sense when I met you that you're a very gentle soul. And if you're a a life coach and a pilgrim spirit, how does that resonate with your quiet aura? Because there would be times when you would have to take on some quite difficult stories and and Mm. quite difficult energies, I would think. Another great question. Um. Well, thank you for that. I think I am a gentle person. And I, I, at the same time I was doing the Camino, I was getting a master's in spiritual psychology. And I feel like it really trained me to see a bigger context of what was going on in people's lives. And I learned how to sit with people. And, um, you know, my favorite definition of the word compassion is to be with suffering. And I learned how to sit and hold for people um, without taking any of that on, but just to be with them, no matter what it is that they were going through. So I'd have to say it was probably that training that prepared me to do that. And it's more, it's not so much of a skill as just a way of being, um, a perspective, I suppose. Can everyone be coached out of problems? Um, you know, my answer to that would be if they want to be, if they're willing, yeah, right. if they're yeah. open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good answer. I'm curious, what if the world sees someone with problems, but that person themselves doesn't? And the reason I ask that is because there's a, a man who drinks at the pub down the road from me. He's there every day from 4pm till 9pm drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. You and I would say, what are you doing, man? You're going to die. He's probably 75 and he's as happy as Larry. What is yeah. the, what's the universe telling the rest of us about that guy? Huh. <laughs> well, if I were talking to you and you brought that to me, I would say, well, do you have a judgment of that? If that guy doesn't have a problem with it, um, if he doesn't want to change that, I mean, it would go back to your last question. If somebody has a problem and they see it as a problem and they want to change Um, then we'll go there. But um, if I could be so bold, I would say, if you are the one having the judgment, then then you're the one that has the issue. Does that make sense, Dan? Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's right. It does make sense. You're the one who's feeling the upset. I mean, if that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Of course. I loved in my introduction the Winnie the Pooh quote. Some people care I do too. Yeah, some people care too much. I think it's called love. But I also love Ooh. a quote from Theodore Roosevelt who said, Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So why why do you care so much? Oh my gosh. One, I love that quote. And I think it's I think it's foundational in the work that I do. And nobody cares about what I do, what I say, what I have to offer them until they really feel that I care. Why do I care so much? I, I guess I, I feel like when I meet people, most of the time I see the essence of that person. I don't know how, I don't know why. Um, I just, I see the goodness and I, um, kind of the other stuff just falls away for me. So when I see somebody and I'm seeing their essence, there's just an, you know, as Carl Rogers said, an unconditional positive regard. And I just do care. I, I, I naturally, from a place inside of my heart, I just do care. And then I could take it a step further, which is, um, I, I went through a big healing process in, um, you know, through the Camino, through my experience on the Camino and in that master's program. And I saw what was possible as far as healing that I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even know where I was broken or where I was holding limiting beliefs, where I was holding myself back. And when I experienced that freedom of really being myself, um, I guess I started to want that for other people who were interested in that. And that's why I care so much. Yeah, you, you answered my next question, which is what did you learn about yourself on the Camino? Must have been amazing to have through your study um, that kind of spiritual depth to draw on and then be able to tap into it to, in a sense, heal yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, that's accurate. And what I learned about, it's hard to put that into words. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, can I tell you a story instead? Sure. No, I love stories. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I came home from my Camino, I walked San John to Santiago. And when I came home, I started to write about it and I reflected and I took every moment that that had meaning to me and I looked for that deeper meaning. And I wrote every day that I was on the Camino and I got to the very last day. I wrote about walking into Santiago with my with my family that I was walking with, some Spanish people and an Italian woman and how we all joined arms together and walked into that square. Well, after I finished I did. This is true. I got on a bus then um, after getting to Santiago and I went to see my foreign exchange student who lives in Spain and I took a bus. However, when I was writing about this afterwards in this period of reflection, this, this, story, this story just came to me and through me and I didn't know where it was going as I was writing. And in the story... Um, I'm walking into, I, I have a dream on the bus, is, is how the story goes. I'm having this dream. And in the dream, we're walking into Santiago. And I have a group that's with me, but they're behind me. I can't see them. But it's not my Camino family, I know. 
And we get close to the square and I say, come on up here, you guys, let's join hands. And, and up bounds this five-year-old little girl next to me. And she's got this blue dress on and a yellow flower in her hair and just the biggest smile on her face. And she grabs my arm on one side. And then on the other side of me, this 19-year-old comes up and she's got her camera around her neck and her guidebook in her pocket. And she joins my hand. And, and then, um, opposite the little girl walks up just the most compassionate, sweet 70-year-old woman who's just in fantastic shape and has the most sweet, soft, compassionate eyes. She takes the hand of the little girl. And then on the other side, up comes this 30-something-year-old woman pushing a double stroller. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is all writing, my writing coming through me, right? I'm thinking to myself um, in this dream that's coming to me, how did she do that with a baby stroller over all those rocks, over all of those obstacles, up those hills, down those hills, across the water? Like, how did she do that? And I'm just feeling so much, um, I don't know, pride, you know, for her. And as she comes up closer, she smiles and she puts up the sunscreen of the stroller. And I look over into the stroller and there were the faces of my two sons as babies. And I realize in that moment, it gets me every time, I realize in that moment, they look, they all look at me and they're all me. You know, it's my five-year-old it's me as a 19-year-old, me as a 70-year-old. I'm only 55 now, and I was 47 when I walked, and, um, and, and all these different ages of me. And they're all the places that they said to me, like, we were with you all the time. And that's what the Camino was for me, is just this, I feel like I walked back into myself again. And any of these parts that had been smaller or, you know, the 19-year-old's dream of going to Spain and studying their first semester had been squashed. And, you know, so all of them just came back to me on the Camino. So it really was um, a journey back into wholeness and authenticity for me. Um, so that's how I'd answer that. Wow. That is fantastic. That is just so fantastic. What experiences... Um, what experience you, you had on the Camino do you use to coach your, your <laughs> do you call them clients? I do call them clients. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, I mean, you just told us that story there. Clear, yeah. Clearly, if you are open to that kind of interpretation of what had happened and what was happening to you, then you are a very, very handy person to have as a mentor, <laughs> right? So if, <laughs> Thank I, you. If, if I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, my life coach is, is capable of that kind of self-determination. I like this person. This person is going to be really good for me. What, what experiences did you have on the Camino that you use to coach your clients? All kinds of things. Um, one of them is just the metaphor of that 500-mile journey, and we just need to start. You know, it doesn't happen, and nor would we want it to happen in one day. It wouldn't be much of a Camino if it was over 
you know, from morning, from sunrise to sunset, that wouldn't be much of a Camino. It's really the journey. And so um, just breaking whatever their goals are down into small steps and realizing that it takes time. And sometimes the painful moments become, you know, hold blessings of their own. So that's one metaphor. Um, as far as the other part, you know, what, what happened, what does happen for a lot of my clients not all, but a lot of them is we do find these younger parts and bring them back in and um, shower them with compassion and acceptance and love. And, and, and what I find, it's such a beautiful thing. What I find is that most, most of the time, they bring back some kind of a gift. So for me in my story, for example, my 19-year-old my was fearless and she was an adventurer and she, she, was, she, she just wanted to go try lots of different things. And boy, bringing that back on line has really helped me mm. try new things in my life again at this age. And sometimes when I need her, I'll say, hey, 19. That's what, I, that's what her name is. Hey, 19, you know, and she'll come on. So I help my client see those kinds of things as well and bring those, those parts back online. Um, there's so many things, but those are a couple. Whenever I hear the term life coach, Kathy, I have this vision of a sports coach, you know, the classic movie coach yelling and encouraging, <laughs> giving them incredibly inspirational speeches and the person or team going out and winning, you know. What if they lose? Ah. Oh, you're asking the hard questions, Dan. <laughs> it, it does happen. You know, um, I'm going to get a little spiritual here, if that's okay. That's exactly what I was hoping. Good. Um, sometimes it's it's not our timing; it's divine timing. Hmm. And and in that loss, well, gosh, there's so many opportunity. There's so many different angles to that that we could look at if there were a specific example. Um, but I would say. You know, is there an opportunity here in this loss? How, can you be with yourself even in this? Can you bring compassion to this part of yourself? And and it's finding that that most loving, that best self, that uh, that compassionate part that then holds not just for our younger parts, but for our present day self that can do that. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, wow, that's an amazing thing Yeah. when we, when we learn how to do that kind of holding for ourselves and be present with ourselves in that way. Yeah, wow. And then, you know, going back to the Camino, it's like we sometimes get hurt or sometimes things don't go as we plan, but you put your boots on the next day and you start again. Or if you get lost, you ask somebody how to get back on the path. There's, there's all kinds of things. Um, it's easier if there's a real-life example. Yeah, I can I appreciate that. What about in terms of the Camino? What if I head over, um, I've listened to these podcasts and I've read all my books and I'm so excited because I'm really hoping that I might find some sort of new energy on the Camino, a, a new version of me. And what happens if nothing happens? Yeah, I faced that for the first three weeks or so on my first Camino. And I I so wanted to have some kind of a spiritual experience and it just wasn't happening. Um, it did finally start to come um, on the meseta, not surprisingly, right? Yeah. But if somebody goes and, and what was your question, if they don't have a yeah. spiritual experience? Yeah, if they're hoping for some sort of 
uh, well, not epiphany is not the right word, but some sort of energy, you know, to, to try and find something of themselves mm-hmm. and they come away with nothing. I would question that. And boy, would I ever want to talk to those people. I, um, you know, the second time I walked the Camino was six and a year, six and a half years after my first one. And I had longed to go back for such a long period, for those six and a half years, thought about it all the time and had really idealized the Camino. And the second time I went back, I didn't have that same experience. I didn't have that necessarily finding myself. It was hard. It was cold. It rained a lot. Um, I had my head down a lot because of the rain. We were inside all the time. I just didn't enjoy it. And I was so disappointed um, with that. But even there, when I got to the end and I said to myself, like, if this is all that it is, if this was this Camino, am I still happy that I came? And absolutely I was and, and was happy that I had tried it again. And in that surrender, in that letting go of what I was expecting, then I started to see the mm-hmm. awarenesses. And mm-hmm. the awareness on that second one, one of the big awarenesses was, I don't need to come to Spain to do this. I live in Colorado, an hour from Rocky Mountain National Park. And even if I didn't, I don't have to come to Spain to do this. Um, and that's that's really where the work that I'm doing now was birthed, is how do I have this experience back home then? Um, and I just got started getting really curious about that. So for people who don't um, have the experience that they were looking for, I would just, I would love to talk to them. And, and I think that there has to be some message in there some silver lining if we look for it yeah well well what can i expect after i arrive in santiago de compostela oh my gosh i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what any you know i don't know what anybody would expect i think everybody's experience is different um for me It's paradoxical because it was never really about getting to a church in a town called Santiago. It it wasn't for me. Yeah. And yet it was. And I had just an emotional breakdown in the church realizing I had made it and I had come to that place of healing that I had longed for. Yeah. Um, I had a moment that I just broke down. And and yet I I don't know what to expect there. I think it's different. It's different every time. All three times I've been there, it's been different. How about you? Like, what would you say to that? Well, I really wanted to make the most of the two things that I found most valuable, and that was time and space. Yes. And by and large, I've kind of been able to do it, but I just remind myself from, from time to time, you know, those are the two things that I really cherished. And with that time and space comes a form of uh, energy where you can be more creative mm-hmm. um, and you can find time to focus on things that are really important to you mm-hmm. and you can get, you find more time for family, find more time to cook, find more time to to learn the ukulele and, and get better at, the, at playing and singing. 
And so those are the things I love. Yeah. So space and time has afforded me love. Mm, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. You know, and I think um, making the most of those simple things that you've found is what we all ought to strive for after we leave Santiago. So arriving in Santiago, you've taken everything with you for those however long, weeks or, or months even indeed. Some people have walked for years uh, with them and they arrive in the square and taking those things with them that they have learned and trying to make the most of them I think is, is the great gift of the Camino, isn't it? That's beautiful. It's like we pack the things that we're going to need on the Camino before we leave home. And before we leave Santiago, maybe we pack, we're taking along with us in our, in our backpacks, those things that we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I misunderstood your question. So I thought you meant, what do we expect in the town of Santiago? But I think you were asking, what do we expect when we return? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was really yeah. the, when you and I met, that was the conversation we had in Lake Tahoe. We both talked about that. And I was really, yeah. really excited about about interviewing, interviewing you and, and, and I mean, gosh, I don't know how far we're in, almost half an hour in, and I'm already absolutely blown away by what some of the things you've been saying. What would you say, though, to someone thinking of walking in terms of what they should prepare mentally? Now, mm. we, we just talked about you put your things in your backpack and away you go. What about spiritually and mentally? What should we do to prepare for the Camino, do you think? Um, I think for me, I would just say setting intentions, perhaps, mm. um, setting the intention, whatever it is, we maybe getting clear on the things that we are seeking. And, and if the first step to that is what we don't want more in our life, maybe thinking about then turning those things around into what we do want on a spiritual or mental level. Um, I also will say, and there's probably going to be a lot of people who contradict me, I don't know that we, I personally don't know that we need to do a lot of preparation mentally and, and spiritually before we go. We can, there's nothing wrong with it. I have come to the place where I believe that there's an inner intelligence inside each one of us and and again I, th I think if I'm trying to figure out what I need or how to prepare or planning some of those things I might be missing the point that mm -hmm. there's an inner intelligence inside of me that knows that already knows that that will guide me on that journey and and I would even go so far as to say well, Paulo Coelho has a beautiful quote. Um, when we want something, all the world conspires to assist us. That may not be the exact quote, but that whole thing about all the world conspires, the whole universe conspires to assist us. There's something more going on in those, you know, those quote, chance encounters. And what we notice and, and the things that touch us and the way things unfold for us. I um, I don't want to guess 
I, if when I go, I don't necessarily want to guess what it is that I need. I yeah. want to be open to that greater intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Bill Bennett um, made the movie PGS. Intuition is your personal guidance system, and I think that's intuition is is will will prepare you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it will guide you. Yeah, you know. Um, what about you, Kathy? There's a, mm-hmm. there's a program here in Australia where we're encouraged to ask one another if we are okay. Are you okay? And who is your spiritual carer? Who is your carer? Hmm. Who takes care of me spiritually? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Hmm. Gosh, thanks for asking. Um, yes, I'm okay. I feel like this time that we're in, these unusual times with the coronavirus, you know, I think both my um, education in spiritual psychology and my experience on the Camino, for, or for any of us, our experience on the Camino, has, um, I'd say, trained us in a way mm. to be present, to, to meet the unknown. Do you know what I mean, Dan? Yeah, like yeah. On, on the Camino, I think we were able to get up in the morning and we weren't in control of the weather or what the path was going to be like that day or who we might meet or what would be on the pilgrim's menu that night. And yet we just open-heartedly met the unknown every moment of the day. And so I think we're in a unique position to be meeting this virus if we take some of those skills and the way that we moved through the Camino into our everyday life. Um, and and into this um, into the challenge that we're facing right now. So I'd say yes, I'm okay. Um, fortunately, my family is all healthy and well at this point, and I continue just to um, tune into. I'm I'm being really creative at this time. Yeah, right. And that's that's coming from something like that inner impulse. That's that's the creativity that's coming forward right now. Who cares for me right now? I have a wonderful boyfriend that's really supportive that we live together. I draw lots of um, love from my family and my two boys. Um, And I tune into uplifting news or uplifting sources of information at this point. People that might have a spiritual perspective on what's going on. And um, that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, your website says, I envision a world where people are authentic and peaceful inside themselves, their relationship Mm -hmm. and their world, and where they are free and empowered to express their essence and contribute their unique gifts in the world. Mm -hmm. If I'm an average Joe, how do I process that? And how do I find room for me in that kind of energy? Everybody, everybody can be authentic. Everybody, I think everybody can be a little bit more authentic. And what I mean by that, it's not coming from a judgment at all. What I mean by that, I did a talk at the American Pilgrims on the Camino gathering, and it was a breakout session. And I talk about how, um, these are Robert Holden's words. He's a great teacher in England. And he talks about a conditioned self and our unconditioned self or our spiritual self, or I don't remember his word, but I do know conditioned self. All of us are walking around with 
any of the times that we say, I should, I should do that, or I feel guilty if I do, or I feel guilty if I don't. And any of those stories that we're telling ourselves, I think there's an opportunity to unravel from those. And I think that that's the cool thing about the Camino is that we we get to do that on the Camino. We, we step outside of so much conditioning at our home, so much autopilot, so much... Um, I don't know, just robotic movement and yeah. stuff like that. And, yeah. and constantly we're being, our impulses are being stimulated and we're getting new input constantly. So we're experiencing ourselves in the world differently when we step out of all of those conditions and habits and, and ways of thinking. Um, and I think that's why so many people have a different experience of themselves and feel more like themselves on the Camino. Yeah, you know, you mentioned there the cool thing about it. Just let me read something very cool from your website where you write about the Camino. You say, hear different languages spoken from people around the world. Enjoy the Spanish culture, landscape and language. Savor food and drinks. Connect daily with nature. Simplify your life. Unplug. Eat, move, connect, sleep, repeat. Carry everything you need for two weeks in your backpack. Connect with yourself and others. Find your own rhythm. Experience your body in a new way as it moves and stretches beyond its comfort zone. Grow stronger. Literally and metaphorically move beyond your perceived limits. Let's step back onto the Camino for a moment. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier that you're, you're in your 50s. Uh, uh, you would have started when you were in your late 40s, your first Camino. How far did you walk each day on average? Hmm. My shortest day was seven kilometers because my blisters stopped me and my longest day was 25. But on average, I'd say 18. So when you say your blisters, tell us about how, <laughs> how bad they were, how you treated them. And, and clearly you recovered well enough to finish. So tell, yeah. us, tell us that story. Sure. Um, they were sneaky because I didn't get blisters the first 11 days, the first 10 days. And on day 11, walking into Burgos, suddenly, I don't know what it was, walking on the flat pavement or the it was warmer or I got lazy changing my socks or something. By that night, I had some blisters appearing and they were right on the heel of each of my feet. And over the next couple of days, they just kept getting worse. Um, it's, I don't know if it's blisters under blisters or blisters on top of blisters, but mm. it was really unbearable. And I can remember the day that I stopped in Castro Jerez at a coffee shop. And um, the, the people that I was walking with at that time, um, it was hard to say goodbye to them. But after one of the guys lanced the blister and um, drained it and... I don't know exactly what he did. And I was kind of out of it because, and I started hearing these voices around me. It was so painful. I was hearing these voices around me and I was hearing the words green and white and get some water. And I must not have been doing very well at that point. So I decided to stay in Castro Jerez that night. And um, the next day, this is also a funny story. The next day there was a gentleman, um, like this would only happen to me on the Camino. But a guy said, oh, I know how to take care of that. I've never seen him before. Samuel, he's from Spain. He was walking the Camino backwards after he had come back from Santiago and full beard and everything. And he comes out with a syringe that had been 
um, it was sterilized in a little package and everything. And I don't know what was in it. And I just said, okay. And he, um, he, he took care of my blister at that point. I took a picture of him with that syringe across his mouth and he was smiling. And it was one of those things where it's like, I just was so open to trusting people and those Camino angels that came along. So I stopped for a couple of days there and then started back walking again. And, um, taking that break was, I guess, a really important part. So was starting back up again. I walked with a different family. And then about a week later, I was walking so many miles that I met back up with that same Spanish Camino family again. Did you feel safe in albergues and walking the Camino, walking on your own? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you? And, yeah. And when you said you, you sort of, you left uh, the Camino group behind in Castro Jerez, did you ever catch them up? Yeah, a week, about a week later. Right. See, I was trying to, I had a deadline because I wanted to go see my, I call him my Spanish son, Diego, who lives in Santander. And after I finished, that was the plan to go see him. And every day that I took longer on the Camino was a day away from him. So I was, that's when I was walking. Once I finally got better, I was walking like 23, 24, 25 miles a day, um, but I did catch up with them again. We weren't communicating or anything like that. I walked into a town and said, this place feels really good. I'd love to stay here. <laughs> but I was telling myself, oh, my gosh, I need to keep walking. And as soon as I saw them at, at a cafe, I decided, okay, this is it. This was meant to be. Yeah, so I walked with them the last week, and we've made it to Santiago together. Fantastic. Now, yeah. now did you ever get lost? Um, sure. Not bad, but yes, I <laughs> almost every time that I would get up in the morning and leave on my own, I would take the wrong path, which just, it just, it cracked me up. Like I just had to laugh at myself. So I would just retrace my steps and come back. And usually that didn't bother me. Sometimes I would go off the path and be so off in my thoughts that I just wasn't even sure how far I'd need to go back to find the path again, but it always worked out. I was never really scared. It's such a great, safe place to go. Yeah, and there are enough people in those communities always on the lookout for you as well, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Even in yeah. France, even in walking in France, um, when I walked between Lourdes and Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, um, a lady pulled me over and said, you're going the wrong way. Where? What are you doing? Where are you going? Oh. And, and I said, oh, oh no, it's okay. I'm walking to Arudi. And she said, no, no, Arudi's six kilometers back that way. <laughs> and I said, oh. right, okay. So yeah. I ended up walking 12 kilometers further than I should have that day. But at least she, she we kept wow. her. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's funny because I was lost and yet I was. she found me. Beautiful. You, you know? And so I, I, I remember walking back thinking, thank goodness I was found. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and I remember singing Amazing Grace at the, uh, mm. the Pilgrims Gathering at Tahoe, Lake Tahoe, and, uh, and just all of the Pilgrims singing that line, I thought it was just, oh, it sent shivers up my spine. It was fantastic. I, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Hey, hey tell us another Camino story. I walked this past fall with a client slash friend, and um, we started in Saint-Jean, and we were walking 
I think this was the second day. So we had, I love the Pyrenees Mountains. So I decided that we were going to stay at Orison. Mm. And I thought any time, any extra time I can get in the Pyrenees, like that's a wonderful day. So we had stayed there. It was really quiet. We had, we were, you know, that second day, or if it's the first for somebody, it's quite a steep climb. And, and it was at the part where we had finally come out of the wind and it levels off just a little bit. And over on the right-hand side, it was like, um, I, I recall it was like a, almost a wall of some sort, just earth, an earthen wall. And something about that, I've never had an experience like this before, but <clears throat> I, oh, it, 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 it's weird to, I've never shared this with anybody, um, but it was like, I was, I was in, I was obviously was in my body and walking. And yet I also had such a strong sense of being the woman I was seven years previous to that and walking on that same pathway and what that person, you know, what I was at that time going through and the, and the difference in the two people, me, you know, as a 54 year old and me as a 47 year old and how different we were and yet we were the same person and we had shared the same place and it was it was the most heart it was just it filled my heart with so much it just it was a very expansive and it filled my heart feeling and then i had the sense of just like all the people who had gone before me that day or that week or that year or for years or for centuries and and it was just a very, um, I don't have words for it. I'd say mm -hmm. it's a spiritual experience, but something really unique that I've never experienced before, that sense of being um, almost two people in two places at the same, you know, yeah. in that experience. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm. Gosh, what a story. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it especially after that climb. And, and then it was like, there was just, it, the, the walking was effortless. So I think that's why that was able to just sort of come in, in like a more sheltered place. There were trees overhead and, and I felt sort of cocooned in that, in that space and something just amazing came forward. Yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased I asked you to tell us that story. That's awesome. <laughs> if if you could, you talked about hey hey nineteen before. If you could whisper something in the ear of your nineteen year old self, what would it be? Oh, it would start with like oh sweetheart, just a lot of love, and I would um. I would tell her how important she is. I would tell her what a big part of me she is and, um, you know, not to give up on her dreams. And she may not get to do them all when she's 19 or 20 mm -hmm. or 25, but there's going to be room in this lifetime for her. You know, standing beside you at Lake Tahoe, hoping your raffle numbers would come up, I felt a, <laughs> I, I felt a great energy. I also felt bad that you didn't win anything. But I just, I just love the Winnie the Pooh quote. Some people care too much. I think it's called love. I'm putting, yeah. I'm putting Kathy Kay, this interview, in the some people care too much. I think it's called love file. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Kathy. I can't wait for our paths to cross again. And I swear my energy will be more focused next time. So you'll win some raffles, I promise. 
Thank you. <laughs> Can I um, share one thing with your listeners, Dan? Of course, Dan? of course. If um, people are resonating with this conversation and and just the idea of talking about what it's what it's like to bring our learning and our awareness from the Camino home again, I host a Facebook group that um, I would love for people to join if they're into this kind of a conversation. And it's called Camino's Call, C-A-L-L. And that stands for Consciously and Authentically Living Life After the Camino. I would love for people to join that, join in the conversation, share stories. And um, we're in this together, bringing that Camino spirit home. It's called Camino's Call. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. And I'm going to join today. Thank you so much, Kathy, for not only sharing or sparing the time to talk to us, but also for sharing your story because uh, this has been a fantastic interview. I've loved every moment, moment of it. I wish you all the very, very best, and uh, I look forward to our paths crossing again. Thanks, Dan. I hope we stay in touch. This has been wonderful. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. My guest this week, Kathy Kay. Kathy's a life coach, spirit guide, and pilgrim, and you can find her at her website, Kathy Kay Coaching. That's the letter K, kathykaycoaching.com. And I love her quote when she said, imagine what it's like to be you when you're not trying so hard. Theodore Roosevelt said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. It's certainly true of pilgrims. There's no doubt about that. And Kathy's Facebook page, Camino Calls. I'll be joining today. Camino Calls. I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to bring you this podcast each week. I can't thank you enough for your support. Winnie the Pooh said, some people care too much. I think it's called love. Those people are pilgrims, like you and me. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the 